Hello, and welcome to the Bamboo Lab Podcast with your host, Peak Performance Coach, Brian Bosley. Are you stuck on the hamster wheel of life, spinning and spinning, but not really moving forward? Are you ready to jump off and soar? Are you finally ready to sculpt your life? If so, you've landed in the right place. This podcast is created and broadcast just for you. All of you strivers, thrivers, and survivors out there. If you'd like to learn more about Brian and the Bamboo Lab, feel free to reach out to explore your true peak level at www.bamboolab3.com. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Bamboo Lab podcast. Um, This is episode 101, and most of you probably noticed we've taken a month off. Uh, I was doing a lot of traveling as well. I was looking for some amazing guests to bring on, so we have a great lineup of people over the next few weeks. Today is no exception, um, but before we introduce our amazing guest today, I just want to go through the recent analytics. As of this morning, we are now being subscribed to and broadcasted on six continents, 62 countries around the world, and 1,810 cities. And I want to thank all of you Bamboo Pack members out there for not only subscribing and smashing that like button, but all for all your rating and reviewing and the emails that we send, the heart letters that we get. Um, as well, thank you for sharing with people you love. That's how this is growing so rapidly to become in the top 23% of all the podcasts in the world right now. It's all because of you. All I do is bring on these amazing people and ask questions and give them a platform to speak. So this is all to, to the amazing guests and to all of you audience members out there. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. All right, today I'm, we're introducing a lady today that I really only talked to for the first time literally 10 minutes ago, but I've, I've seen her on Facebook, I've followed her on Facebook, and everything she posts on there is just so well done. It's very positive, it's very uplifting, it's very bright and cheery, and I thought, I'm going to reach out to, to Lynette. So we, today we have Lynette Fitzpatrick on, and Lynette is one of the top realtors in the greater Grand Rapids, Michigan area. Uh, she takes a multifaceted approach to serving her clients and supported by her incredible passion and background. And you'll see this if you ever see her Facebook stuff. A lot of passion and experience in interior design, staging, flipping, and in new home construction. She working with sellers, buyers, and investors has allowed her to stay on top of the buyer and market trends. And because of this passion and this deep interest she has in, in design and, and trends, she's able to incorporate the forefront of those desired trends into the homes in order to drive market interest. The sellers and investors she works with are thrilled with her ROI as a direct result of her design experience. She's a multiple award-winning recipient through her local Home Builders Association, and she's in the top 10% of all realtors in the greater Grand Rapids area. And there are a lot of realtors in Grand Rapids. I know that. The quality of her work has made it all the way to producers for a spot on one of HGTV's uh, shows. Her passion for real estate and design shows through all, all areas. She's a lifelong West Michigander. Outside of real estate, her passions include anything to do with interior design and helping animals. She is the mother of three beautiful children. She's a dog mom, and she currently lives in Rockford, Michigan. And she has a little cold today, folks, so her, her, her voice may be a little different. And she's got a little 12-and-a-half-pound dog. And they're reading meters outside her place, and the dog might bark a few times, but that's perfectly okay. As all of you have, many of you have reached out saying you love the background noise sometimes. So anyway, without further ado, my new friend, Lynette, welcome to the Bamboo Lab Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure, man. It's great man. to be here. And she asked me today, everybody, why why me? Why did you choose me? And I'm like, dude, everybody has a story. And for some reason, after 100 episodes, I'm, I, I'm getting a little bit better anyway. I'm just seeing people and saying, 
I got to I got to bring that person on. So this is one of those deals. So so Lynette, I don't really know a lot about you, so I'm excited to ask this first question. Uh, and that is, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, your childhood, your family, where you're from? I know you're from from Greater Grand Rapids area, but you know who or what inspired you? Just give us a snapshot of you growing up. Sure. Well, um, to your point, my mom always said, um, Lynette came out happy and she stayed that way. So <laughs> that might be where that's coming from. Um, I am an only child, which um, some people are surprised to hear. Um, I grew up on 10 acres in Cedar Springs. Um, I went to a really small private school. Um, I graduated with the same five kids that I started out kindergarten with. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. My mom always joked and said to people, Lynette graduated in the top five in her class. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh, wow, how many? How many were there? My mom's like, five. It's still top five. One of her favorite jokes. Uh, Yeah, so, um, you know, my parents, um, they met when my mom was 14 and my dad was 16. And they um, were together until my mom passed away unexpectedly about five years ago. Um, So, you know, I my grandparents owned um, 40 acres that... um, they split off in tens to give to uh, my mom's siblings. So um, it was like a, a little compound. I had my aunts and uncles and my grandparents all on the same 40 acres. And we went to a little country church with about 100 people. It was um, a, small, a small community. I've never heard of a graduating class of five people. I know. I know. You're not the first one to say that. Yeah. So it was a private, it was a parochial school. Um, It's called an ACE school, Accelerated Christian Education. But, you know, I have a lot of great takeaways because I was so close with everybody, the whole school, honestly, and my teachers, and they taught, you know, real life lessons too. And um, we had, the only two sports we had was basketball and volleyball. And so, you know, us girls played volleyball and we started playing volleyball from the time we were young together um, until, you know, all the way up through graduating. And so we would travel because there were not very many um, ACE schools like ours. So we would have to travel and, you know, our teachers and coaches would go and our families would go. And so it was a completely different experience than um, a public school for sure. And, you know, growing up, I felt really different um, because, you know, we wore uniforms and we couldn't wear makeup and it was really strict. Um, And we didn't have dances and we didn't, you know, have all the sports and things like that. But as I've gotten older, I've learned to um, appreciate the other lessons, you know, that I did take away from just being so close with my teachers and the trips that we took and all of the things that we learned, you know, that that some kids don't have that opportunity of learning. I mean, I think that's amazing. I mean, my, I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I think we had like 73 in my graduating class. So that's not obviously big at all, but... I think it does allow for some really cool, I mean, lifelong friendships, or at least you're going to stay close with the four people that you are, you graduate with because there's only five of you total. I mean, I think that's really cool. <laughs> right. Was there, were there right. popular groups and unpopular groups? You know what? That's funny. There still was all that. There was really? definitely all that. There were these small cliques and popular people and not so popular people. You know, we still had all the normal things like that. But, really cool. you know, I remember the van trips and the bus trips and, 
you know, just really intimate conversations with, you know, um, the teachers and the, the other kids and parents. And, you know, I now I just see so much more value in the life lessons that, you know, I learned from that. Well, growing up then, I mean, you came out happy and you stayed that way. Was there a person or an event or something, a book or something that inspired you as a child? You know, um, I was just always, I've always just been really positive and happy and, um, you know, not, you know, my dad, my dad, yes, I would just say my dad was always such an inspiration to me growing up. I mean, I was, you know, I'm an only child, so I was just so close with my parents and I did everything with my parents and, um, you know, they took me everywhere and they rarely got a babysitter. They just wanted me with them all the time. They tried for seven years to have me and then they couldn't have any more. So, um, they just wanted me, they just wanted me right with them. Um, but my, you know, my dad, um, I can share a little bit about him. He was, um, born with a foot deformity. And so he, um, he was never able to run or, or play any sports and, um, you know, it's, it's an obvious handicap. So that was, you know, that was tough on him. And, um, he grew up on a farm. And, um, so he, from the time I think he was eight years old, you know, he had to work on the farm after school and homework. And he's just, he's always been such a hard worker and such an inspiration to me and such an overcomer. And he, um, his, his dad wanted him to take over the farm. Um, but he, he didn't, he decided not to do that and he wanted to go into auto body repair. And so he went into the city, he calls it, you know, cause he, he was, grew up in Cedar Springs too on a farm, um, and started, um, working for an auto body shop. And then, um, when I was 10, him and my mom stepped out in faith and, um, decided to open their own business and they opened the business right next to our house. And um, it was so nice because my mom worked right, you know, she did all of the running for parts and she did all of the bookkeeping and all the marketing, you know, and um, my dad worked in the business and um, he just, he worked so hard and I saw that. And, you know, from eight o'clock in the morning till sometimes one o'clock the next morning, just, I remember laying in bed, just worrying about him thinking he's going to die. He's working too much. He's <laughs> going to have a heart attack. I would keep looking out my window to see when the lights were going to shut off up there. Um, <clears throat> but always such a hard worker. And, you know, I definitely get my work ethic from my parents and just watching them, um, always just do the right thing. And, you know, even if, um, even if it wasn't the easy thing to do or my dad was going to potentially lose a job or lose money, he always did the right thing by everybody. And I can honestly tell you, I think to this day, my dad does not have an enemy in the world. Everybody just loves him and speaks so highly of him. And people still talk to me about, you know, the work that my dad did on their vehicles and the experience they had with my parents. And, you know, I just watch people stop by the house and by the, the body shop just to see my mom and dad. And, you know, it was just always, um, it was a great, great opportunity to be able to see, you know, how they, how they built their business and grew their business. And that has really helped me, um, in, in growing my own businesses. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, your dad's still with us then. He is. Yes. Ah. Yep. He is. But God, we almost lost him, um, over the summer. he, 
he um, was being treated for um, what they thought was acid reflux. And then he ended up having a massive heart attack. Um, and then he had to have um, bypass surgery, emergency open heart surgery. And then um, about a week after he went home, um, he ended up getting blood clots. And then he went back in and had another heart attack and a whole host of things. We almost lost him. Oh. So, yes, he is still with us. <laughs> good, good. What's his first name? Ed. His name is Ed. Ed, we want to. We just want to let you know we're very glad that you're still with us and keep fighting, man. You've done a great job with this daughter of yours. Your legacy is continuing to live on, man. So this one goes out to you, Ed. This whole podcast is dedicated to you. Um, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I love what you said, and I think a lot of the listeners can take a lot. And I that really hit me is always do the right thing, even if it's not the easy thing. And yeah. I think in our society, Lynette, we, we just tend to constantly try to make more money. We constantly try to improve our, our, our social image, so to speak, or, you know, we're just constantly chasing something. But if you just break it down to that simple thing, always do the right thing, even if it's not the easy thing, you're going to get what you want out of life. I think that, you Absolutely. know, that's the American dream right there. And now, you know, to be a gentleman of, of you know, an elderly, elderly gentleman who has all these friends, not an enemy in the world, people love him and respect him. I mean, that's how I want to retire. I mean, Absolutely. I mean, yep. there's no I money agree. in the world that can replace that. No, there really isn't. And, you know, my mom was um, so well-respected and loved as well. And, you know, she... um she actually, um, her aorta dissected when she was walking on the treadmill um, about five years ago. And so she passed away unexpectedly at 69. My and so that, um, that was, um, obviously the most difficult thing my dad and I have ever been through. Um, have, you know, those two being together from the time they were 14 and 16 and, um, they got married when they were 16 and 18 and my mom didn't even graduate from school. She just, got married and they just started doing life. And so, you know, my dad was like distraught. I was worried that I was going to lose him too, because sure. he was just distraught. So, you know, I, I almost didn't even stop long enough to allow myself to grieve. It was just in full speed ahead motion. Like we have just got to keep his head above water and keep him, you know, going because my mom ran everything. My dad just worked, you know? So I remember my dad didn't even know how to boil a hot dog. He's like, <laughs> he's like, what do I do? You know, cause she just handled everything. And it was just, it was, it was, um, life changing for sure. So, but my dad has since, um, met somebody and he just, um, got remarried last summer. They just celebrated their one year anniversary. So, you know, he's, um, he's doing well and living his best life and retiring and now he's healing. And cause yeah, we almost lost him like wow. 10 years ago before too. He had, um, he got food poisoning and ruptured his esophagus while he was throwing up and almost died. So, and then two weeks he was in the hospital for like over two weeks and then he got septic he, from the infection around his esophagus and he almost died again. So his doctors are like, dude. Wow. Knock it off. You're like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tough bird right there, man. I'll tell you. He is so he's tough. Do yeah. He's dodging bullets left and right. He That's really so is. He has 
Well, he doesn't think it's as funny as the rest of us. He's like, come on, when are we going to get a break? But he's doing well now. Well, I'm not, if I can find there, I found some wood, I'll knock on it and keep him going. Well, Ed, if yeah. it makes you feel any better, Ed, I, unless it's on a grill, I probably don't, I really don't know how to boil a hot dog either. I mean, microwave or grill is pretty much my, my go-to. So, um, so, you know, Lynette, in, not just in the real estate in, industry, but also in, in the design and in your personal life or whatever, in the last couple of years, obviously the last three years, we've gone through a lot of changes in our country and around the world due to the, the quarantining and the, you know, whatever pandemic, um, what has been your greatest learning during that time frame? Oh, goodness. You know, it's, I, you know, in real estate, it's always up and down, right? It ebbs and flows. And I've been fortunate enough since I um, got into real estate in 2016. Um, you know, I just started right out. I was at a, I was at a, um, a new agent training and they were like, I remember someone saying, you have to get to people to, um, know you, like you, trust you, and then want to do business with you. And I was like, well, that's my sphere. So I'm just going to pour into my sphere. So I started out doing that. And so I've been blessed to work um, pretty much just on all referrals. Um, so the even through the pandemic and things like that, um, I've been able to stay really steady, which has been such a blessing. Um, but you know, I've, I've definitely, um, seen some opportunities through that for, you know, other, um, areas of income and different ways to bring in, um, more income. And so I started, um, teaching in an investor course. Um, it was zoom of course, because we weren't going anywhere, but I'm flipping on a budget because I've had my interior design business. I mean, I've been in, I've been doing design forever. I remember, you know, every time I go to a friend's house, I was redesigning their bedrooms. So, you know, I grew up doing that, but I started my business in 2002. And so, um, I was teaching some investor courses and, um, another, um, teacher was teaching on midterm rentals. And I was like, well, that's interesting. So, you know, I took her course and, I just kind of started thinking, you know, there's a lot of people who are now going to be working from home. Um, you know, and I was hearing a lot of people saying, well, I no longer have to go into the office so I can live wherever I want to. And so I knew, you know, there was going to be some travel involved where people were probably going to have to go, um, you know, and stay, you know, tra- um, we're, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, travel for work and like contract work and, you know, traveling to different cities and stuff like that. So I started this midterm rental business um, where I um, acquire and um, set up and design and um, market and host guests and um, midterm rentals in the area. So, you know, it's just going through um, what we've been going through kind of helps you to readjust your business model and pivot and look for opportunities. And so, I mean, it's been a great blessing and that business is really growing and um, I just see it as something that came out of, you know, the pandemic and just really having to think outside the box. I love that. You know, you have, I think you and I probably have a lot of mutual friends um, in the, and I don't think most people know this, but when I started my coaching practice 27 years ago, I was in Detroit, where was I? I was in Detroit or Ann Arbor. Where did I live? I don't know. I lived, I think in Novi actually. And my first clients were architects and interior designers. Oh, wow. <laughs> really, I don't know why I know nothing about either one of those, but it just worked out that way. <laughs> and then you start getting referrals and I went on to my, where my, my primary business is working in the financial in- industry. But then during my divorce seven, 18 years ago, I, uh, 
I was given full custody of Dawson, my son. So I had to kind of take my business, which was all over the country, and I couldn't travel anymore. And I had to apply it to Grand Rapids. And I joined leads groups and chambers of commerce and local first. And I started, you know, networking and built a, a, a practice locally for a couple of years until I could get my footing and I could, you know, start traveling again. And uh, I worked with a lot of realtors. I coached a lot of realtors. In fact, I, when I was looking this morning at your Facebook page, I, I started poke, looking at mutual friends and things like that. So we definitely have a lot of we'll, sh- we'll share some names up when we get off air here. I'm sure we do. Yeah, yes. it's a cool world, man. I, I really was intrigued by uh, the real estate world uh, when I was coaching. I still don't understand it. There is so much to it. But uh, in design, I was coaching a designer out of Ann Arbor, my first I think she was my second client. My first one was an architect and I coached her for like two years and I was right in her office. And And at that time I would get a portion of your in, increase in profits. It wasn't a straight retainer fee like it is now, but um, mm-hmm. because I was untested and uh, I would go in their offices for like three or four hours a day. And I'm like, what in the hell are you guys doing? Like, I, I don't understand anything you're saying or doing. Like none of it made sense. It was like they were talking in a, a foreign language and I was just there, uh, you know, was trying to get them to be more productive and it was so challenging, but it was so much fun. That's awesome. It is. And I mean, just like with interior design, there's no two jobs that are the same. There's no two, you know, um, projects that are the same. And I, I, um, love doing, you know, projects, interior designs for my buyers and sellers because, you know, it scratches that design itch, but I'm also doing the real estate piece, you know, so I can help um, my sellers get their properties ready to sell and help them get the most return on their money. And then when I work with my buyers, you know, I can help them make any changes that they want, you know, as we're, it's, it's definitely beneficial when we're going through houses and they're like, oh, but I don't like this. I'm like, well, we can do this and we can change this and you can do this and, you know, take this wall out and add this here. So it's definitely been a huge um, bonus to um, my real estate business. Oh, I can imagine it fits perfectly. I mean, you'd be, you'd be in shock if you could see a zoom of my place right now. I have literally, I have nothing on the wall. There's not even a, and I have a ton of paintings and art. Nothing has been put on the wall except for I have a calendar of my son, of my grandson, Jack, that my daughter gave me for Christmas that hangs on my kitchen just because it's, there's one nail on the wall. I just put it there. Um, it, well, but that's I, an important thing. That's is. an important thing to have hung up it for is. sure. Yeah. But I, what I've noticed, and I know this is a very remedial, I'm not going to talk interior design with you, but even having a blank walls makes a house cold. Um, it does, yeah. And I understand feng shui a little bit, so I tried to I tried to feng shui my living room a little bit. Um, I coached a feng shui expert actually in Grand Rapids, uh, 22, 21 years ago, out of Forest Hills. Oh, wow. And uh, so I got a little bit of that, but that my house, I'm going to have my daughter come down and help me just tell me where, where should things go. Um, but I'm never, I'm not, I'm not here often enough. I'm home. I was home last night. I'm home for the day, the night. I'll be gone for three or four nights and I'm going to be home for a night. Then I'm gone for another week or two. So when I, when I get settled in, when the snow starts to fall up here and I'm stuck here a little more, I'm going to actually make this place a little more aesthetically pleasing (laughs) it's just just me and my dog anyway i mean nobody ever comes over my i visit my children so they don't have to drive and uh down here very often so it's just me and chloe so you still want it to be this is what i I always tell my design clients you want it to be a place that you're excited to come home to and excited to show off to your friends like it's just like you know i don't entertain that much because i'm always doing stuff with my kids or working or whatever but I'm excited to come home to my house and I look around and I'm like, this is so great. This is so cozy. I love being here. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, you, I'll, that'll be my inspiration to getting my stuff out uh, when I come back on Sunday. I'll get my paintings yes. out. They're in the garage. I know that. They're, they're all in boxes in the garage and I'll pull them out and I'll set them in here anyway. So when I come home in a couple of weeks, 
I can at least start thinking of where things go. So yeah, do it for you. Don't yeah. do it for other people. Do it That's for you. That's a really good point. Yeah, there's nobody else to do it for anyway. So <laughs> my house looks more like an office because I have a desk and I've got whiteboards and I've got a podcasting station. It really walk in here and books everywhere. It really looks like an office that I just happen to sleep in. And that's, well, if you get stuck, you can FaceTime with me and I can help you tell you where to hang your stuff. You're, I'll take you up on that for sure. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you this difficult question, Lynette, and I know you can refuse to answer it and say I'd rather not. But if, if, the question is, over the course of your life, what is one of the most difficult things you've gone through? And then how did you overcome it? How did you scale that wall? You know, um, I just... Well, the death of my mom was obviously really tough. Um, but I think over my lifetime is just um, dealing with some negativity in my life and some naysayers. And, you know, I had some some um, worry warts and negativity and, um, like I said, just naysayers and um, doom and gloom around me. Um, and people, you know, who try to suppress your joy, Um or our, you know, joy suckers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's hard. Um, sometimes it's hard not to get pulled into that and not to believe um, those things about yourself and um, to rise above it. And, you know, when you have that around you for so long, um, it is tough to not believe, believe that. So, I mean, you have to, um, I've had to really dig deep and especially over these past five years, um, really dig deep and find the strengths, you know, inside and, um, suppress that negativity and, um, those lies that, you know, you, um, are told about yourself and rise above it and just really believe in yourself and, um, know that you can do hard things. And I think that's, um, I have done hard things and, you know, um, things that, that I never thought I could achieve. And, um, but you just, you know, you, you definitely have it in you. You just, you have to believe in yourself. And it's a constant battle of just shoving that negativity down. And just, um, I always tell my kids too, and I, I live by this, um, especially since my mom died. I'm like, you always get through what you're going through. You do. Like, I'm like, look at what we've been through as a family. Look at what you guys have been through, you know, and they're dealing with, you know, things on a smaller scale, you know, in my opinion, but to them, it's the biggest thing in the world. I'm like, you guys, nobody's dying is one of the things that I whip out. <laughs> I'm right. like, nobody's dying since my mom died too. I'm like, okay, this is the worst of the worst. So I always say this, nobody's dying. And you always got through what you're going through. And sometimes I'm like, okay, remember this? Now look at that. Look how that turned out. And so, you know, I just really have tried to live that and really practice what I preach. And it honestly helps. Like when I'm going through something and you know, I mean, you know that if you're a mover and a shaker and you're constantly moving forward and you're building businesses and you are out there, you're going to have problems coming at you and you're going to have difficulties coming at you and obstacles and roadblocks. And you just have to, I have to sit myself down and say, listen, you're going to get through this. I have to play it, you know, play it through. What's the worst thing that could happen? 
you know, this is going to be okay. You always get through what you're going through. And then I come out on the other side. I'm like, yep, see, <laughs> I just always need to remember to take my own advice. <laughs> well, that's it. Do you do any journaling or gratitude journaling or anything, uh, meditation or anything that's like that, something like that to help you get through those things? I mean, to stay positive like you are, especially having gone through years of you know, naysayers and, you know, people telling you lies about yourself and suppressing your joy. How, I mean, is it, is it just you keeping your mind clear? Or how do you, is there something you do? You know, I, um, there's a couple things that I do. I always look at, someone is always worse off than me. Someone is always um, going through a bigger struggle than me. And I count my blessings. I think of all of the things, like when I get up in the morning, I'm like, I can get out of bed by myself. My feet hit the floor. I have air in my lungs. Like, and I think, you know, whenever I start getting upset about something or wishing for something or whatever, I'm like, there's somebody, or I don't want to work out. I'm like, there's somebody in a wheelchair wishing that they could work out right now. Or there's somebody laying in a hospital bed wishing that they were having my problems today, you know? And it's just, um, and I, there's a fine line between like, when I do that with my kids, I'm like, listen, you know, there's people that are worse off. There's a fine line between validating their feelings. And I have to do that with myself too. Like, yeah, this is really crappy. And what I'm going through right now is really crappy. I have to, you know, it's the worst thing I'm going through right now. So I, I validate that. I give that to myself. I give that to my kids. Like, yeah, this really does suck. And I get why you're feeling so bad, but let's look at some positive things. Let's look on the bright side. Let's look at the other side of this and coming out on the other side and be thankful that, you know, A, B, and C. So, you know, that is one thing that I do. Um, Another thing that I do, and this is more um, with conflict and, you know, naysayers and things like that. Like I always, before I react or, um, it, you know, to kind of calm myself down if I get really upset about something, I always literally put myself, not literally, but really put myself in the other person's shoes, try to feel what they're feeling, try to see things from their standpoint, try to understand And that is something that helps me a lot to de-escalate a situation or to resolve an issue, you know, even with my kids, with coworkers, with whoever it's been, relationships, you know, just really try and see things from their point of view because I hate being mad. I hate being angry. I hate being upset. So it's it's something that I've learned to do over the years and probably because of some of the situations I've been in, but it helps me to feel better and to... Um, understand the, you know, what's happening to me and why it might be happening to me and kind of play the devil's advocate and then try to resolve rather than react or fight or, or anything like that. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I, I think that the second thing you said there is I was listening to Joe Rogan yesterday my, my, when I was driving and he talked about every time he sees somebody doing something stupid or mean, he pictures them as a little baby. And he said that was yeah. somebody's little innocent baby. And, and the vast majority of people, when they're doing things that hurt us, they're just doing their best in life. They're not usually yeah. intentionally trying to do something. They're just, they're going through something. And, and to be able to empathize that way, it, you know, not only does it bring peace to them a little, it brings peace to you. you know? That's exactly right. Selfishly, yes, yeah. it does. And that's probably, it's a coping thing, right? Like, I don't want to feel this way. So I'm hoping that I can understand this in a different light. And, you know, figure this out for both people or whatever the situation is. Um, but that's true. And I, I do say that quite often if something's, you know, if someone's coming at you or 
or, you know, they're flipping you off when you're driving past them. I'm like, I feel bad for them. Like their life must be, something's going on with them right now to just think that they need to do that to me. Like, you know, so it is looking at things a little bit differently and, you know, from the other person's um, point of view. And I think too, I'm, I am an empath. And so I think it might come a little bit more naturally for me to do that, but um, that in and of itself is a blessing and a curse. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I believe that people do things um, for a, I, I call them the six eyes. And when people do something that seems stupid or hurtful or, or uh, trying, or they're hurting someone, it, they, they have six reasons. They all happen to start with the letter I. It's intent, indifference, ignorance, inability, um, insecurity, or um, immaturity. And I think as human beings, because we have that little thing in our brain called the amygdala, which is there to th- uh, detect threats. We don't have a lot of threats anymore. I mean, we don't have typhoons and try other neighbor, you know, neighboring tribes trying to uh, uh, rape and pillage our village. We don't have wolves and you know cats trying to kill us. So we still we see danger in so many different scenarios. And when somebody does something that seems to hurt us, we immediately think it was their intent, or they they don't they're or they're indifferent. They don't care if they hurt us. That's a small percentage. It's normally ignorance. They didn't even know what they said was going to hurt you, or they didn't know they did or said it, or it's inability. They don't have another way to to do what they're doing, but the way they do it hurts us. Or sometimes it's insecurity. Um, it's right. just they're insecure people. And, and even that insecurity is usually there's some ignorance in there. They don't because they're insecure. They don't know that what they're doing is harmful. And I always look at that and I try to right. judge person. What is the what, which one of the eyes are they? And sometimes it is intent. Sometimes they're just mean people out there. But that's really rare. Right? We found it's about four percent of the time that somebody hurts you. It's the, it's really only three to four percent of the time is, is it intent. And when you can look at it from that perspective, you can actually handle the situation from a, on a different level versus going right back at them you can look you know step back and say uh, it's probably ignorance they don't know or it's inability they don't know have a, a better way to do it or it's insecurity and that insecurity is is you know that's it makes me feel bad for them so i think that's yeah, in- that's exactly yes in- that's exactly what i was trying to <laughs> trying to explain like just seeing it from really from their from their point of view and that's that's so you're right on like <laughs> that's exactly it's not, it's not always about me, right? right. <laughs> I'm not the center of everybody's world. <laughs> You're not? I thought we all were. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's another tough lesson to learn. It it's is. not about me? What? Well, when I'm when I get to visit my grandson Jack tonight or this afternoon, I will guarantee he does think he is the center of the universe. There is no <laughs> doubt in his mind, and I think that's probably true for all two year olds. But well, I don't know when they outgrow that because I'm pretty sure my 21 year old still thinks that too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think they all do. I loved what you said. You always get through what you're going through. I I love that. That might be the title of today's uh, episode. I, that, I love that because it's so succinct, so simple, but so powerful. Like you always get through what you're yeah. going through. You always do. And it seems funny because we go through a challenge, a difficult time. We get through it and then we kind of forget about it. And then a while later, we go through another one and we kind of yeah. forget that, hey, we went through that last one. It passed. This one's going to pass too. But when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to realize when you're in the middle of a tornado that it's going to pass. Yes. We're going to get through it. Yeah. Just and I mean, I, I do live by that. I tell myself I that, that all the time when, when I call them opportunities arise. Um, oh, I'm like, okay, we always get through what we're going through. We're going to do this, you know, and I do. And I do. And then you're right. You have to remind yourself of that. Okay. Remember when? Yeah. <laughs> you got through that. Yeah. Have you ever read the book, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday? No. 
Okay, I'll I'll write it down here. I'm gonna I'll get you a copy and have it sent to you. It's a oh, really thank you. oh, you're welcome. It's a book regarding the philosophy of stoicism, which stoicism is the the belief that every bad thing happens to us for a reason, and it's not what's happening to us; it's how we react to it. In the book, I think I've read it six times. I try to read it once a year. And then he has a, a, another book, a company book called uh, The Daily Stoic, which is a book that uh, every day you read an affirmation on stoicism. And it, it, it just frames everything like, you know, everything you're going through, there is there's a reason for it and there's power in it. And we have to deal with it a certain way. And I think, you know, I did a, I talked told you before I spoke last week down in East Lansing and I talked regarding how we find our purpose in life during these the dark moments. We don't find our purpose in life during the great times. Things are going well. Or we're not we're not really introspective at that time. It's when you're in those dark moments of life and the world is shitting on you. That's when you find yeah. purpose. If you if you open up and listen to what the universe is saying to you at that time. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, I uh, some of my best, some of my best ideas, and some of my most profound moments were born out of out of that that oh. those places that you're talking about all the time. So, uh, as this eternal optimist and uh, positive person, you know, came out happy and stayed that way. Right now, in your stage in life with your children and your career, what is a win for you? What do you consider to be a victory? Honestly, what we've already touched on, just being able to overcome um, what I've been through and come out on the other side and kind of prove people wrong. And honestly, I think that's been a huge motivator for me is just to um, say, hey, you know, I do have greatness within me and I can do amazing things. And, um, you know, I just my kids are incredible and I'm at such a great place in my life and my businesses are flourishing and opportunities are coming and I just you know I I also just I live by leave people better than you found them Mm. and I truly just like my mom and dad you know um I just try and do right by everybody and not chase the money just really if you truly have everybody's best interests in mind that will just follow naturally and you know I learned that from my parents and so that it just feels good to always have people's best interests in mind and always do the right thing that way you're never worried you're never second guessing you're always doing your best and that you're just you're rewarded for that and it's just kind of it's the natural best way to do things it is i love that leave people better than you found them i don't really care what a person's profession or job might be i always tell my clients we all have one role in life and that is to increase the sense of self-worth of other people if you can yeah. do increase other people's sense of self-worth make them feel better and sometimes that is comes through challenging them really hard on things when you can do that i mean you make the world a better place and that's really what our job should be leave it better than we found it I love that. That is so true. And my kids will, they get so annoyed because I talk to everybody. People (laughs) in my grocery store, I just want to talk to everybody because I want everybody to have a good day, just like I'm having a good day. And they're like, Mom, you're so weird. But if I see someone that I like their hair or their shirt or their pants or their shoes or whatever, I'm going to tell them, like, oh my gosh, I love that. And I was just, um, I just was reading something the other day. I'm like, "You you don't know what that person's going through or how much that could mean to somebody that you just told them that they look nice or whatever, you're a complete stranger. I'm like, yeah, just do it. Just don't be afraid to do it. I've had struck up some amazing conversations and met amazing people just by starting with, I love your shirt. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. I mean, it's random acts of kindness. That's really what it is. Yeah, it, it annoys my children, but you know, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I had a I had a guest on I don't know several months ago and he was said something very profound. His name is Art Delorenzo. He's out of uh, New York and uh, 
he uh, he said, when we say something kind to someone and we look them in the eye when we're saying it, a stranger, when we go to bed, we remember that face and our brain remembers that kindness that we shared. And he said, it is the best um, sleeping pill possible. And I'm like, oh. that, and I, I, what, it's funny when you go, like I go into a lot of gas stations um, when I, you know, I'll stop and get a bottle of water or a power protein thing that, um, <laughs> with my son and I, or, or I'm driving alone. And uh, it's always interesting. Those people who work at gas stations normally aren't very happy people. It's their their job is not easy. They have a bunch of idiots coming in all day. And when you walk in and say, "Hey," what, like yesterday, I was in Lansing and I was getting gas, and I this guy had he was kind of grumpy. He didn't even look at me. Good morning, he said, and I'm like, and his hat oh. said something on it. I don't know what it was an initial. I said, "What does that mean?" And it was a band that he goes that he's a fan of, and he went on to tell me where the band plays, what kind of music they play. It's indie rock, and where they started, and the the about oh. the, the the lead singer. His dad was a, a reporter, I think, at the Grand Rapids Press or Lansing State Journal or something. And he just went on talking, and he got done. He goes, "I hope you have a great day, sir. Safe travels to the UP." I'm like, that guy just flipped oh. because of one simple question: What does your hat yep. mean? You know. And yep. we don't do that yep. enough. We don't call people by their names. We don't say, have a great day. How's your day going? Um, and we do that. And really more. mean it. Yeah, right? and really you, mean it. It has yeah. to be genuine. Yeah. It has to be genuine. You got. You have to live genuine, right? And that, I mean, that's so true. And I tell my kids, you know, I tell my kids the same thing. Like, you just have to always be genuine. Like, you just, you can't, you can't fake it either. You have to, if you're going to ask the question, genuinely care about the answer. Right. Don't be robotic <laughs> about it. And you're, you're so right, too, about, you know, everybody having, like, his job matters. Like, everybody, no matter what people do, their job matters. Like, anybody, and I, I remind my kids of that, too. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Everybody's job is important. I mean, just think about all the things, the inconveniences throughout your daily life. I mean, someone's making that and someone's serving that. And, you know, it's just every job is important. It, that guy's job was really important. Yeah, because if he, did, if he wasn't doing it, I'm not getting gas and a bottle of water. Right, you know, exactly. I mean, so, you know, Lynette, my mother worked in, I'm from San Ignace, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, a small town of, you know, 2,800 people or something. For 60 years, she worked at the San Ignace laundromat. And the only reason she uh, quit was because maybe five or six years ago, they shut it down and turned it into a, I don't know, it's a coffee shop or a church or, I, I don't know what it is. Um, but, um, and she's 88 now. She still does work. She works at a gift shop. Uh, up there and just, but her role in 60 years was not to do laundry. She did laundry, but it was, she met so many amazing people. And every time I would go in there to see her as I'm driving through or coming to visit, she'd have two or three friends sitting there drinking coffee, uh, sitting on the chairs, just visiting her. And she's met amazing friends that would come up and live, you know, in my hometown is a, it's a, it's a resort town, a tourist town. They'd come up and stay. And she met these tourists that now have become friends of hers. Now they come up and visit in the summertime because she just engages people in conversation. And my mom's very straightforward. Yes. She can sometimes put you, she'll put you in your place, but she's also very engaging in conversation. And she's, <laughs> she's genuinely interested in other people. And, and, That's it, so great. and she's a very positive person as well. I mean, sometimes she, <laughs> when I was growing up, I didn't think oh, that, but, uh, but <laughs> we never do. <laughs> right? She's a single mom raising five kids. You know, my dad died when I was young. So, you know, oh, she had a tough, a tough gig, but she, she always, uh, had that mentality that life is tough, but we're tougher. You know, she never said those words, but that was, that was always the, the way that's the learning I picked up from my mom. So. That's, that's a great one. It that's is. a great, great one. one. It's, it, I like it's, that. it's right up there with you. Always get through what you're going through. That's right. Those are good ones. <laughs> those yep. are good ones. All right. I, I love this question. So Lynette, if I were to drive down to Grand Apisane and put you in a time machine and we flew off to say you're 
to a point in your past when you were young, 20, 25, somewhere in that age range, and you were able to sit down on a park bench at Rosa Park Circle right now, and you're talking to your younger self, what pieces of advice would you give her? What words of wisdom would you say? Oh, I would probably tell her not to lather up with baby oil and lay on tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> did you do that? Everybody did I that did, back in the day. I did that. I've had skin cancer three times because of it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm That'll just That'll do I'm it. That'll kidding. do it. You know, um, I would just say, I would tell myself that, you know, hard times are coming. It's It's inevitable. Tough times are coming, but... They always do, and you are tougher than you think you are, and you're going to get through. Like, I just, I've been through some pretty dark times in my life, and um, really questioning myself and um, and my abilities and who I was, and um, felt pretty worthless at times, and like I wasn't going to amount to anything, and um, just a lot of insecurities um, growing up and um you know, when I was younger and, and married and, um, I, I would just tell myself, I would, I would wish that I could show myself where I'm at now, mm-hmm. you know, and explain that like, wow, like I am better at 49 than I have ever been and happier and content and, um, have done the hard work and the hard things and, you know, you're going to get through it. And you're going to, you're going to be better at almost 50 than you've ever been in your life. I mean, do you, when you look back at your younger self, do you think right now she's proud of you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I actually just posted something about that a couple of days. It might have even been just yesterday. Yeah. Standing in front of um, younger versions of yourself and um, they're all proud of you. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I'm proud of me, oh. you know, and I want my kids to see it. And I tell them my stories and they've lived, you know, through these stories with me. And, you know, I hope that... Um, you know, they won't make some of the same mistakes that I did and, um, you know, be better for, for what they've seen and heard of what I've been through. Oh, I love that. I love when you said, I'm proud of me. So many people yeah. can't say that or they don't want to say that. And that is, that is an, to me, that's an indictment on a life well lived. Well, it's a hard thing. Like there's a, there's that balance between being proud of yourself and not being too overconfident and cocky because you can, everything can be taken away from you in a split second, you know? Um, but what can't be taken away from me is all the, the hard work that I've done on myself. And, and I am proud of that. It's been a long journey and it's been tough and it's been dark and lonely sometimes, but I, um, I think about it all the time, like I am the best I've ever been and I have more years ahead of me. How much better is it going to get? Oh, yeah, it's only going to get better. So <laughs> right. I'm looking right now, if you scroll past the picture of the cow sitting on a couch on your Facebook. <laughs> 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 so everyone, this is the po- uh, the post that Lynette put up yesterday on Wednesday, the, the 27th, I guess it was. It says, imagine all of the past versions of yourself standing right in front of you. They are all smiling, looking back at you. They're all so proud of you. I love that. Yeah. I'm stealing yeah. that. I'm stealing that. You can steal it. I stole it. You can steal it. <laughs> All, right. All right. There's no honor among thieves. We just keep stealing each other's content. <laughs> That's it's good. We need to recycle it. It's all good stuff. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm going to give you uh, kudos to it. I'll just I'll share it from your post. Um, okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, so now at 49, um, children are growing. Some are, you know, you got a couple of adults, but you still have a 15-year-old son, I believe. He's 15. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Your career is going well. Your businesses are doing well. What's next for you? Oh, more of the same. Uh-huh. I just, you know, I love pouring into my kids. My middle daughter plays water polo for Michigan State. I love going and watching her play. My son plays soccer for Rockford. I love I love that just as much time with my kids as I possibly can. Um, you know, more business building. Like I just, um, my uh, Michigan Furnished Rentals is the business that I just built over this past year. And um, more of that, like it's just... Um, more um, host acquisition and guest acquisition and setting more of those properties up. And, you know, it's all really around helping people like filling, filling that need. And there was definitely a need in the Grand Rapids area for furnished um, month to month rentals. And, you know, um, able for places to put my relocation clients and help them buy houses. And, you know, people are like, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, I don't know if I ever really, will officially retire because I can do real estate forever. And, you know, I'm um, putting these um, furnished rentals, I'm setting them up and putting those in place. And, you know, design is, is so fun. Like I enjoy everything that I do so much and they all, all of those businesses work so well together. You know, no two days are the same and um, I get to help amazing people and work with amazing people. And, um, I just see more of the same in my future. I love it. I mean, it's so, it's invigorating and so um, wonderful to talk to somebody who has such a passion for his or her career and vocation. I think that this is, I, I love it. It, it. It's good that we did this at 830 in the morning on a Thursday because I have a busy day ahead of me before I go to see my, <laughs> my children. So it's good to kind of get this this energy going for, for me first thing in the morning. Um I'm going to, if it's okay with you, we'll include links to your businesses on the, on the show notes of today's podcast. So people, anybody sure. out there, please click on, if you're looking for somebody in the, in the design real estate industry, get on here and check out Lynette's stuff. You can, you, you're going to see that this is the, this is the person you want to work with out there. So, and oh, uh, thank we, you. Ha- we do have a lot of, uh, of subscribers in Grand Rapids. It's one of our biggest cities for subscribers oh, wow. actually. Yeah. And I don't know, I, we, I brought on a few people from Grand Rapids. That's probably what made a difference. So um that has oh, helped that's so great. yeah absolutely that's great yeah it's such a great city to live in it is You're definitely blessed it, it's, for sure it's it's the it's a it's a small big city it has everything you yeah. want but it's compact it's not oh, sprawling but, like detroit or atlanta or i mean where you just drive forever and you're still in the city right right it is and there's i mean there's it's it's small i mean you people know people everybody knows everybody it's, it's big but it's small it is i don't even know what the population is of the city itself is probably two hundred thousand, but i think it's right around a million if you kind of the greater grand rapids area isn't it right around a million yeah. eight nine i would say probably i mean that's nothing i've looked up recently but i would that's probably a pretty good guess yeah i think that's what i what i read i love going there um you know, I'm downstate a lot now, but I, I, I'm in Lansing most of the time. And sometimes I shoot over to Detroit to meet with a client. But um, I love when I get to go over to Grand Rapids, even for just for a day and drive around. It's so easy to get around um, compared to most cities. I mean, Lansing is a much smaller city, but it's so much harder to traverse around Lansing than it is Grand Rapids. It is. You're, just, you are absolutely right. When I go to visit my daughter, I'm like, where am I? I know. <laughs> I, I, I went to, I, I, I was only about 15 miles from Michigan State campus on Thursday but I had to, I, and I've been there so many times, I still had to uh, get on my Wave app and figure out how to get to the location that I knew exactly where I was going. I'd seen the building before, but I had, it's just so hard. Every, there's so much construction going on in Lansing right now. All the time. All the time. All the time. Yes, I know there is. And I'm right there with you. I have, to put, I have to put it in my Google Maps no matter where I go there. You know, it's interesting your daughter plays water polo. I have, I've 
Well, I was with my friend uh, Todd three weeks ago. I went over and spent the day at their house um, for the day and night to visit my. These are friends that I played rugby with in college, and he and his wife, and I'm, they're they're like family to me. And he he watches really obscure stuff on TV. And we were up Saturday morning, and I'm like, why aren't we watching college game day? There's it's football, and he's up there watching water polo. And we were oh. sitting, and I'm like. So we were Googling like the rules. Can you touch the bottom and this and that? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how the hell do they do that? He said, I have no idea. I, I, he said, that's got to be the most physically <laughs> enduring sport there is. And I'm like, she is a beast when she is conditioning for water polo. And I mean, I, so I went um, to Mexico last year and I got out in the pool and I'm like, I'm going to tread water for a hot second and see how she does this. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> because no, they, and she plays pretty much the entire game and you know a proud mom moment she sure. was a starter as a freshman um and they took three in the big 10 number three in the big 10 oh. so it's um she's she's amazing but they are brutal i mean they kick and they punch and they pinch and they scratch yeah. i mean and they dunk and they it's 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 crazy to watch how um how physical it is but yeah they they tread water the entire time it's i mean insane it's super, yeah i yeah, probably about a, i could never do it no i might be able to do a minute of treading i don't even know if i could do that i don't know it's, it's, not, it's not my thing <laughs> yeah you gotta be try it the next time you get in the pool oh. then <laughs> Well, I thought they were standing all the time on the, in the water. I'm like, that's not too hard. And he goes, no, they're uh, treading water. I'm like, what? And they, yeah, I, I kind of want to see what's going on underneath. Are they kicking each other? And are they kind of, oh, yeah. it's a pretty brutal sport when you watch it. It is. And as a mom, I was like, I'm in the skin. Get off her. You're drowning my kid. And then she had to have a talk to me. She's like, mom, you can't do that. That's what we all do. Like, I do the same thing. Like, you can't, you can't worry about it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but they do this thing where they call egg beater up. So that they can get themselves out of the water up past their waist to either um, try and score or try and block. It's incredible. It's incredible. Well, if I'm ever in East Lansing and there's a there's a match or whatever you call it, a game or match, I would it's like a to match, yeah. a match. I'd like to go see it. I'd like to go see it live. Absolutely, now you the, should. Yeah, let I me know. Let me know because I'm in East Lansing quite a bit. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, good for your kids. They are beautiful children. I'm looking at them right now on Facebook. Oh, they are incredibly looking, uh, good looking. I'm sure they're as beautiful on the inside as they are on the outside. So, I think they are. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So as we begin to wrap up, Lynette, is there any question that I did not ask that you wish I would have? Or is there any final message you want to leave with the Bamboo Pack audience? You know, no. I mean, I think we've touched on my mantras and I think, um, you know, we've touched on, yeah, we, I think we've kind of covered everything. And I was thinking some of the questions that you asked, asked me, I probably went off on a tangent, didn't even no. answer them, but you have, you <laughs> I have so much to say. You have a lot you know, to say. I just, I just really feel blessed to be able to do something that I love every day. And I wish that, you know, everybody could. And, um, I just wish that for people that they could get up and love what they do. And, I mean, because then you never feel like you're working and then you don't feel like you ever have to retire. <laughs> right. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday from New Jersey as I was driving up from uh, Lansing. And he said, he always says this when we talk, do what you love with the people you love. I mean, what else? Oh, that's so true. He's like, that's all life is. And that's, that's living. That's when you work and that's when you retire. That If you can just do that, that's yeah. simplicity. Do what you love I mean, with you the can, people you love. You can honestly create any kind of life that you want. I mean, trust me, I have, it's been long nights and up all nights and, and blood, sweat and tears and money, but I have, um, I've created a life that I love 
And I think you just have to have the courage and um, believe in yourself, you know, to step out and, and do certain things. And that's probably what I hear the most from people is like, I would never have the the strength of the courage or I'm too scared to do that. I'm like, you just have to do it. There is no reward without risk. I couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, you, you've made my job difficult because normally when we're doing, I'm doing a podcast, I circle what I think the title of the, of the show will be. And I have four things circled here. So now I have to do any, meeny, my new mode to pick up which one of you. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting is when we're done, when I download it into the system, AI now generates um, all the show notes and it generates the, it gives you a list of here's some really good titles and it pu- pulls up some things that you repeated or profound. And oh, normally yeah. it's the things I circle because it's because there are things that really stick out, but sometimes I have to override it and say, no, this is the one. So I got four here. I think I've got it down to three that I think I'm going to choose from, but if the AI has something better, I'm going to put it on there, but you have some <laughs> really good one-liners and I, I can see your children probably rolling their eyes right now thinking, oh my God, she says that all the time. Yeah. Oh, they do. But you know what? Deep down, I think they appreciate it because they sure do come to their mama for everything. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't appreciate it now, they will in the future. But you're right. I do get a lot of eye rolls and you're annoying. I get that too. Mom, you're so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, Lynette, because I have the privilege of coaching a, a, a really good company that's actually in the state of Michigan. And my daughter is one of the employees now. She got hired on almost two years ago and she's moving oh. up slowly into some like management roles or, you know, having some more responsibilities. So the, uh, they asked me if I would put her in my, my coaching program with the other, some of the other people. And she said, might as well, yeah, I might as well. My dad's been doing it for free all these years. Uh, for 30 some years, she's been coaching <laughs> me for free. So, so many of the things that I talk about, she does know she's already heard before, but, um, uh, I uh, love that. She's, uh, she's, she's, they are very blessed. Uh, they are very blessed to have you as a dad. Well, you know, it's funny. I was just going to say how blessed your children, your family, your clients and your friends are. And now you got, we got to bless the entire bamboo pack audience of around 62 countries with your optimism and these great uh, words of wisdom and everything that I, that we, every time when I, when I get feedback from, from the audience, you know, I always tell what I hear all the time is we like to hear the story of the guest. We like to hear great dialogue between you and the guest, Brian. And we really like to get words of wisdom from the guest. You covered all three of those today. So I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Well, I like to talk. My mom would always say, Lynette can talk the hind leg off a mule. So (laughs) she's not wrong. Well, you're very, you're very, you're good. You're a good speaker as well. So I can tell it's all those years of, uh, in your profession of having to be on a, be a very good communicator. It definitely has paid off. Oh, thank you. All right, we're going to wrap up here, Lynette. So I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. We'll talk a few minutes, so please don't hang up. We'll talk after we're done airing here. But I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such a positive, optimistic, and inspiring guest on the Bamboo Lab podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been fun. I appreciate it. It was a complete pleasure. All right, everyone out there, I want to thank you all for tuning in this week. Please hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review us. I want to hear what you have to say. And please uh, share us this episode with three people. The words that Lynette shared today were so inspiring and so positive and optimistic. There are people out in your, people you love and care about in your world who need to hear her message. So thank you all. Please remember everyone, strive, love, live. Love you all. Take care.